previously on the Dying Message podcast. The podcast has been stolen? Did we always have a painting right here? (laughs) There's something in here. Oh my god, it's like a a top hat with a monocle and like a grin. It's a calling card. Oh no! Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest, except for last week and also this week while we try to recover our podcast, which has been stolen by thieves. Last week, we received the calling card from the phantom thief Kaito Kid, and we will be watching Magic Kaito 1412 Episode 2, Blue Birthday, to see if we can pick up any clues. I mean, honestly, it's been a nightmare, Noah. Ever since then, I'm just finding playing cards everywhere. I feel like they're just sticking in the walls and they're they're in our fridge. I'm, I'm tired of these playing cards. That's normal for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just another day in, in a magic household. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, although as long as our podcast is missing, I will be going by the title Disgraced Lead Investigator. <laughs> tisk tisk. We will be watching Magic Kaito Episode 2 with a special expert in just a moment. If you are a law-abiding citizen who wants to watch along with us, you can find this on Crunchyroll in the U.S. at time of recording. But you certainly don't have to watch to enjoy today's magical, magical episode. Uh, joining me along with our guest is our resident anime expert, Michael Zavisky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. I don't think I've had a chance to ask you yet about your Tamagotchi. Oh, no. What's the plural? Don't ask. <laughs> What's the plural? Tamagotchis? I guess. You you had Digimon. The Tamagotchi are similar. <laughs> now you have Tamagotchi. The people want to know. Yeah, they don't they, they don't beat each other up, so there's a little less to do, but they're cute. I don't know. It's fine. I don't know. You keep feeding them all different kinds of food, like pepperoni sausage rolls. You're just making stuff up, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so are the people that programmed this game. Uh, Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, uh, there are certain specific anime watchers that may already be aware of this. But Noah, how much do you know about alchemy? Uh, a full metal amount. That's not true. I have not <laughs> seen Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, so it's it, it becomes a little relevant, but also they don't really like name it, but it's what they're doing. In the ancient art of alchemy, which is mostly a combination of religion and made up science and the pursuit of hopefully someday coming to actual science from, I don't know when. When was, I guess in the 1700s, probably. Or was it older? Yeah, that's when that's when science started to get real good. Yeah, maybe the 1600s. I digress. The three main things they searched for uh, in alchemy were the ability to turn base metals into gold, uh, the philosopher's stone, mm-hmm. and the elixir of life—a liquid that would give you immortality or extend your lifespan. Oh, sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> um, that'll come up very shortly. That's more of like just a general Western history tidbit, but it does come up in anime a lot. You know what? It comes up in anime a lot. (laughs) That's true. Shall we meet our mystery guest? Sure. Before he just appears himself out of nowhere? Poof! Here I am. Ah! So let's see who it is. Our mystery expert this episode is a magician, memoirist, improviser, and writing teacher slash administrator. He is a company member of Comedy Sports Philadelphia who has performed magic shows at various local venues and memoir slash magic shows in the Philly Fringe and recently over Zoom. He posts a new trick each week to the Fred Does a Trick YouTube channel. You can find it on Google shortly after you find the other Fred from Scooby-Doo. One time he solved the mystery of Rebecca from school. I've nabbed the thief. It's Fred Siegel. Oh, here I am. Thank you for having me, guys. 
Yeah, hopefully you weren't like crouching in a box or something waiting for the, <laughs> the part of the trick where you pop out of the top of the box. No, no, I'm more of a twiddle of the cards guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, Noah, a magician never reveals his his secrets. So if he was hiding in a box, he can't tell you. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Um, that That's something I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, later today. So we're really glad to have you here because we're watching something very magical in a certain way. So I guess my first question for you is, how did you come to magic? And um, yeah, tell us a bit about that. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I have a whole bunch of stories about that. Uh, it, it, I guess... The, the most dramatic one is the time I saw a woman turn into a gorilla in Atlantic City, New Jersey. It was it was uh, on the outside of, well, a million dollar pier, which is now a, a large shopping mall. You would walk by and you would hear, you know, the ape girl, the ape girl, the ape girl. You see the hair grow. Watch her as she slowly changes before your very eyes from a beautiful girl into a big, hairy gorilla. Only 75 cents you could go in there and see this thing. And an eight-year-old Fred uh, with his family and may have been nine-year-old Fred. I do have a picture from that night. So I was pretty young. Uh, we we uh, got in there. We saw the ape girl. And as stupid as it was, <laughs> as obvious as it was that I was watching a magic trick. In fact, it is the same magic trick that you have in the back of the book, uh, More Fun with Magic by Joseph Leeming, a favorite mm-hmm. of mine uh, from the children's library when I was that age. It, it, it enables you to put a little doll into a box and then the doll would turn into a skeleton. So I'm, I'm watching <laughs> the girl turn into a – it's done with mirrors, by the way. Uh, uh, spoiler, uh, spoiler. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though. I, I, I can tell you that and you still won't know really what that right. means. Mm-hmm. And and uh, if you saw it, you might be fooled by it anyway. So what happens in this little tent, you know, for the 75 cents, uh, you, you, uh, there's a, a woman in a cage and then a man with a beard hits a gong. You know, he says, think gorilla. And the, the girl, uh, it's a girl to gorilla. I would say a woman, I guess. To me, she was old. Uh, but uh, uh, she turned a little bit darker uh, and then again think gorilla and she turns darker still and her her nostrils flare and her forehead seems to push forward and this can't be real and there's another think gorilla and finally well not finally almost there almost there we're looking at uh what's obviously a fake gorilla <laughs> you know uh, uh, it's, this is not scary at all. I mean, I, I mean, she's alive. It said so on the posters outside. She's alive, alive. You ever see those banners at carnivals? Alive. Uh, uh, on TV shows. But, uh, I, I knew she wasn't, she didn't really turn into a gorilla. And then when finally she was all there, I'm, I'm looking at her. There she is. No problem. Eight or nine year old Fred. Maybe I was 10. I don't know how the hell. But, <laughs> but, uh, she's, she's there. Uh, and, um, she grabs the bars of the cage and she starts shaking them. And this isn't scary at all. And then suddenly, with a loud snap, Satanya breaks the cage open. And the ape girl is not only alive, she's coming for me. <laughs> and in that moment, my eight-year-old legs, or was I maybe nine, went on their own. They went rogue, man. And they ran. They got me out of that uh, uh, enclosure. 
And as soon as I hit the night air and I saw outside and I looked around and I could see all the people pointing and laughing and staring at me, I started to cry. How could I be <laughs> taken in by something so fake? It was a <laughs> thrilling magic trick. Ironically, this is the same weekend uh, my father buys me my first deck of magic cards. Ooh. Uh, he, my, now, my father doesn't want to buy the deck from TV. You know, there's the TV magic cards. That costs $2 plus shipping. <laughs> but he, he figured that in Atlantic City, New Jersey, you should be able to go into any novelty shop and ask for the magic cards. And yeah, we got them for $1.50. Yeah. And no shipping and handling either. No shipping and handling. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there were tolls, but but uh, mm. <laughs> the same weekend I saw the ape girl. The same weekend I got my magic cards. Uh, uh, that was a big magic weekend for me, and it changed everything. Uh, the other answer, you know, is that I got a magic kit when I was a kid, and I, you yeah. know, there are all kinds of other reasons. But mm. uh, uh, that one is the best story out of them. Uh, speaking of magic kits, my mom bought me a Chris <laughs> Angel magic kit when I was twenty-three years old. It came with a fake thumb that wouldn't fit on my pinky. Slight oh my! <laughs> slight, uh, <laughs> slight age range miss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the detail of uh, like a woman turning into a person in a gorilla suit. Yeah, and it's like it's one thing for a woman to the story of a woman turning into a gorilla and like growing hair. It's another thing to wonder where does the gorilla suit come from? <laughs> right. Right. Does she grow the gorilla suit? It's a chia pet. As a magic, as a magic trick, that's as good as turning into a gorilla. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy with that. It's equally impossible. <laughs> yeah, even more impossible. You know something <laughs> strange is happening because it can't grow out of her. So I want to gauge your familiarity with with the uh, kind of thing we watched. So the first question is heist movies, TV shows, books, con men, anything like that. Do you ever watch those types of stories? Well, I'm very interested in con men, and I'm very, I'm very interested in all <laughs> kinds of deception. Uh, it's it's funny in the world of magic, you know, there are people who really pride themselves on their their underworld connections, <laughs> their their uh, their knowledge of not only of the sleight of hand that one must use in order to do a good card trick, but the the uh, the sleight of hand that overlaps with that. The it's not really sleight of hand. I guess they don't call it sleight of hand. The gamblers, the gamblers. Uh, the crooked gamblers need it uh, to make their living. And if if I get caught doing a bad false shuffle, people say, oh, bad false shuffle, son. But if they get caught doing a bad false shuffle, something very bad could happen to them. So uh, uh, there is uh, some overlap in terms of technique. To tell you the truth, I, I, I don't feel that romantic about cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 many, many of my uh, friends who do magic – you know they they uh, they love thinking about this and imagining themselves hanging out with these guys. And I don't think these guys. I don't want to hang out with these guys. They're they're criminals. They 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 want my money. They want to yeah. <laughs> they want to do things to me. So uh, so, but I'm I'm very interested in all kinds of uh, of cheating and uh, and conning. If if you were here live, I I'd do the three card Monty. Show you the three card Monty. Show you the shell game, uh, uh, and all that stuff. The closest now, now in terms of watching anime, uh, I that was I, my next question. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you beat me to it. Go ahead. Well, I I don't uh, these days watch anime. Now that said, when I was a young lad, 
in the, you know the the same ape girl few years for example uh there was wee willie weber's colorful cartoon club uh on tv in the afternoons where you would you would eat tasty cake and watch uh, uh wee willie uh and he showed cartoons uh among the things we watched were astro boy mm-hmm. and ace man kimba the white lion and marine boy and gigantor and these were all of these Japanese imports that look different uh, uh, from the cartoons that we watched that were, were different in the sense that they had narratives that uh, went over, you know, weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had love interests, which the kinds of car- – I mean, I was watching the, the old Warner Brothers ones from the 40s and 50s that wound up on TV. And even the Hanna Barbera ones, but they're they're all like seven minute cartoons, and there's no information in one of them that you have to remember to the next one. It's always the same thing happens. But these these were like that, you know. So I'm watching the thing that we're talking about tonight, and I'm, you know, it's it's a little. It reminds <laughs> me of uh, of Speed Racer. How you know, they have a love interest in Speed Racer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the the mysterious racer X is is you know actually his long lost brother. You know, <laughs> so I, I I hope I'm not making. I, there's a danger that I'm making an idiot of myself, and I have no <laughs> understanding of what anime is. No, but uh, yeah, Astro Boy or Tetsuan. I think Tetsuan Eight was the original name of that. Speed Racer or Maka Gogo. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all some of the earliest examples of anime getting localized. Yeah. I looked up Wee Willie Weber Colorful Cartoon Club <laughs> because it looks like it was a local thing to the Philly area mm-hmm. that he was the personality that hosted this on local television and then showed all these different cartoons like you were talking about. Right. Uh, there was also uh, Sally Starr, our gal Sal, <laughs> who was uh, who, who stood – it was important in uh, the Popeye theater show. She showed Popeye cartoons and she also would have magicians on once in a while, which – filled me with rage because I was not on it. Uh, uh, other magicians were. I guess it's a similar kind of show to like the one that Jim Henson was on, like as he was making his way. Yeah. Up. I think that was around the same time. Yeah. I, but in a different place. Right, right. Some kind of local show. I just read the Henson book. It's a big fat Jim Henson book that uh, one of my other things is show business biographies. So, so oh, uh, yeah. I, I read that recently and he had a hell of a career. So it sounds like this is probably the first uh, heist thief anime or probably any mystery anime of any kind that you've seen. Correct. Awesome. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> Although we also like to hear the other answer to that question. <laughs> we just like having guests. <laughs> and yeah, you brought up some things that are also running themes in what we watched last week. So I'm really excited to talk about it. So Mike, can you tell everybody what do we need to know about Magic Kaito? Uh, Magic Kaito are the various exploits and adventures of Kuroba Kaito, a teenager who suddenly finds himself in the role of Kaito Kid, uh, the phantom thief who turns out was his father before his father was murdered. So he takes on the role of Kaito Kid in order to figure out who is responsible for his father's death. And apparently he always returns what he steals. So it's all in good fun. (laughs) Uh, We also got to point out the most obvious thing, which is... I assume that you're talking about the fact that it is a spinoff of Detective Conan, uh, the anime that we spent a lot more time with. That's right. Yeah, this thief character appears on that show. We haven't gotten quite that far yet. And this is kind of his origin backstory. And it has a a couple crossovers, I'm led to believe. 
also the voice actor who does Kaito is the same voice actor that does teenage Shinichi Kudo. Is that true? I didn't look it up. I believe it. The the other thing, as Michael was telling us about the premise, and Fred, you pointed out one of these things, but last week we watched a show called Cat's Eye, and there were so many parallels, because mm-hmm. that was about a set of thieves, one of the three sisters, one of them is dating the police officer that's trying to catch them, so you have the love interest who has the police connection, and Kaito, his love interest's father, is the police. The cafe is called Cat's Eye and they're called Cat's Eye, whereas in this, he's called Kaito and the thief is called Magic Kaito. So it should be obvious to anyone. They're written with different kanji, Noah. They're not the same name. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, um, in Cat's Eye, what's their motivation, Michael? Uh, to figure out what, ha- what how their father disappeared by collecting all his jewels. And here he's trying to figure out what happened to his father who disappeared eight years ago. So yeah, it's there's no way there's not like an inspiration, right? Almost certainly. Well, Cat's Eye was in the 80s, so it certainly makes sense that it would follow. Mm -hmm. So we had to point all of that out. I think uh, now we can start talking about things. So right at the beginning, actually, it's funny, Fred, Fred, when you zoomed in to join us, we get the visual, although our listeners will not. Um, You have a curtain behind you. And I was, and I know you do virtual tricks. So I'm wondering if you're in your performance space. I am. I am. But I, it's also my Zoom space for work. <laughs> yeah. But it's also the very first image in this show because, like, he opens the episode and ends the episode by talking to the audience in front of a curtain. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to the the teaser scene, but I want to. We always like to talk about the anime intro opening song. What did we think of the music? What what do we think of the visuals? This one didn't have translated lyrics, so we can't talk about that. <laughs> uh, it had pigeons. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, cuts to um, magic tricks and playing cards. Uh, the um, the magic tricks uh, could not be done that way. I mean, the the cards appear too suddenly. The, the there would be telltale other moves. There there are tricks. Those tricks are possible. Right, but uh, but they wouldn't look like that, and that that has an old precedent. I mean, uh, it, one of the very first movies to depict magic tricks was called uh, the the Chinese Conjurer. It was a oh my gosh, a, a first decade of the twentieth century. Right, but he was appearing and disappearing using jump cuts. Right, they loved those. And the thing that that was ironic about that is that. There's no trick that he did that couldn't have been done by conventional magic methods, but instead they did jump cuts. So it's so to me as a magician, that's that's cheating. So so that's the first thing I thought. This is cheating. That, that kid is not really doing that trick. <laughs> that 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 drawn kid is not doing that trick. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout, there's not any kind of effort to make this stuff plausible or doable. Right. The closest thing is a a he turns a candle into a uh, a flower right and uh, you can you can order that at your local magic shop uh, <laughs> turning a candle into a flower it wouldn't co- look quite the way uh, he did it but it, it also has that element of uh, magician as a romantic figure magically producing the flower and giving to the uh, entranced girl oh yeah. boy I thought I had entranced girls dancing in my head <laughs> when I was uh, a lad. <laughs> well, even even that trick of his, uh, you say it's it's the most realistic one, but even that one, she like had the flower in a vase. Later, we see in in Alco's yeah. room, 
Right. And she keeps the flower. So it's like, it's still a little beyond the pale because he actually produced a flower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I caught, there's some big action moments throughout the theme as well. They show they show also his him on his hang glider, which is just a <laughs> thing about the character that is very iconic because two weeks ago he flew by in an unrelated movie on his <laughs> right. hang glider. But in terms of magic, the very last thing I think is confetti and balloons flying out of a hat. Right. Mm-hmm. The old what's inside of my hat. Uh, and and yeah, you can produce confetti and things from balloons. It wouldn't look like that. <laughs> They're drawing it. They're going to draw whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> Do they draw it? Is it is there any drawing involved or is it Yeah, is it it's all, all it's all hand drawn. Even even the stuff that they do on computers these days is like hand drawn line art with some okay. like all digital stuff. But there's one thing for sure that I wanted to point out that I noticed was CG. Uh, there were a few things. A lot of cards were CG. Uh, the pigeons in the opening I think were CG. So yeah, it's a mix these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Some yeah. stuff are easier. So um in terms of the music of the song. It's growing on me because I've now heard it at least three or four times. <laughs> it's fine. Which is often what happens. Yeah, I think it's mostly fine. But if I listen, if I finish watching this show and watch 20 more episodes, I'll love it. Right, right. Well, let's hear a few bars. Come on. Noah. <laughs> I, I only I only watched it uh, twice. So so I didn't yeah. I don't <laughs> remember the, uh, the number. Oh, did you watch the first episode? I did not watch the first episode. But you watched this one twice. Great. I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, we didn't comment on that. We're talking about episode two as an intro to this show. Um, the first episode does a bit more of setup and explains like how he becomes, how he finds out that his father was the thief and things like that. But for editorial reasons, we're starting with episode two. And this is, I think, does a lot of explaining and bringing people up to speed as well. Mm-hmm. The very first scene, he has stolen a gem and is making his getaway from the police. The first episode, which I just <laughs> said that we skipped, I think the theme of that episode was kind of misdirection, mm-hmm. but that's also also what happens here that they're trying to play off of because it looks like he's flying away on a blimp hang glider, but it's <laughs> actually just a dummy on the blimp hang glider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uses that to get away. Right, right. That's actually, uh, uh, there are magic tricks that work that way. Uh, even in the Thurston show, there were magic tricks that, <laughs> there was this substitution of one body for another dummy, uh, either a physical dummy or another person who acts as a dummy. Hmm. So you, you think it's person A, but it's not. And person A has a chance to disappear and go somewhere else and appear yeah. in the house somewhere. And I've watched just enough. Oh, I, I haven't said this, but I've watched quite a bit of Penn and Teller Fool Us. Mm, great show. I love that show. And then they also do a trick. I think they maybe done it on the show. They they do the trick where they do the boxes, but they do it clear. Yes. Um, there's one where it looks like you're taking a person apart and moving them around. Mm-hmm. So my takeaway from those two things is if you can't see the whole person, like you just see a hand or a foot. <laughs> right. It's probably or, not the person. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't know. It could be. but And here, like you, the person is far away, so you don't know. You can't really see for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's funny, that particular trick uh, of Penn and Teller's, I don't think anyone would actually do it that way if they were doing the trick <laughs> right. just to show. They they invented that trick for the purpose of uh, a, a enjoyable uh, exposure. Yeah. You know. They can get away with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine. I mean, they, they, they made their reputation 
as the bad boys of magic, as if as if the magic establishment is very mad at them all the time. <laughs> and, you know, as if we're sitting there, oh, that pen and teller, how dare they expose our tricks. But but most of the stuff they exposed, they kind of made up. It was made up for the purpose of exposing. <laughs> that seems like the kind of thing they would do. <laughs> so once he steals this gem, he's now changed back into his regular identity and he gets a call through the old... Uh, you're walking by a public phone booth and it rings, which this was aired on television in 2014. I don't know. Are there? Do we know about phone booths in Japan? They're still there. Um, phone cards are still sold. Hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a public service that's maintained. I think one of the main reasons we don't have them in, in the United States anymore is because they were private. And once they got junky, they just never put any more up. We could do a history of public phone booths someday. But uh, what what happens on that phone call? Uh, some rando is like, I've told you, never, never go after precious gems. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is when we later f- like meet this person, like he doesn't yeah. seem competent enough to like randomly have the phone number of a phone booth where he just happens to be standing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think their names were given in this episode, but sure, it was his name was Snake. Oh, his name was Snake. Yeah, the guy <laughs> with the hat and the mustache is called Snake. And then he reports to someone who is only called the sub boss. <laughs> of the organization mm-hmm. right. it's not important enough to get a name the one thing i'm disappointed we missed in the first episode is some of the stuff setting up his lair but mm-hmm. here he goes to the blue parrot bar which is where we find his assistant mm-hmm. a, an older man named g who had worked with his father i i i called him alfred as i was watching it because for obvious reasons i think i think this thing was all Batmanish. He has a lot of butler energy to the deg- to the degree that he refers to him as young master in the way that a butler would. Yeah. A funny wordplay. I, I don't know if it's even wordplay, but like his his last name is G, and he calls him G Chan, which is actually slang for like grandfather or something that you would sort of see. casually call an older man. Uh, but like it's also his last name. It's like you can only get away with that every once in a while before it's it's handy. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> even drives the getaway car in this episode, which is something Alfred would occasionally do, at least in the Batman animated series. <laughs> Although the Batman series that I like the most, he had the Alf cycle. I don't know if you remember the Alf cycle. Alf, he Alfred took, did? Yeah, he took out of the back of the Batmobile on the television show, the campy yeah. television show. He took a tiny little a fold-up bicycle out, and he would drive down the road in the Alf cycle. <laughs> it's a good reminder. I haven't seen enough of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember that one. I do remember uh, Batgirl on her weird little like motocross oh. thing, well, but I well, don't. Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. Alfred sometimes is the guy who does the gadgets, and right. here he, he G has just procured the gadgets. Right, They've, they're hidden in a billiard table. That that was a little James Bond energy in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I wondered about th- there was there's something a little ominous. There was whispering. What what was that, Noah? Come on, explain this to me. When they whisper to each other, just so we don't see what the gadgets are. Yeah, he has a gadget. Uh, it looks like a like a, a rumpled cloth or something, and he whispers something to him about what it is. And I'm thinking, wow, this and and you know, it was made for him by the doctor, doctor somebody, and I don't know, I. I like what medical equipment is this? <laughs> what what <laughs> medical situation does this young man have that he needs this? They're they're hinting very strongly that by in several ways that these gadgets are made by Professor Agasa, which is a character in Detective Conan that this spins off of, who makes uh-huh. the gadgets for the te- detective character. Like okay. they they talk about like this doctor character, and they also like 
pan to the window where we see a yellow uh, Volkswagen Beetle drive away, which is what Professor Agasta drives. So it's, ah, it's pretty much saying okay. he does it without saying he does it. Mike is better than me because I found that out by going online and, and reading the <laughs> trivia about the show. No, and, and he figured it out by stopping it in the episode. I, I didn't have to look it up. I accept the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in terms of the gadget, I think they're just saving it for later. Okay. Okay. It looked like a handkerchief, though, like something something somebody blows their nose into. Yeah, well, I think we do see that later. It was really so bizarre when it's like this whole big setup of like the James Bond scene, right? Where he goes to Q. Is Q the one that makes the gadgets? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, provides, provides. And it's like, here's your pen. Here's your this. And they explain all of them. But here it was like, no, it's going to it's got to be a secret. We're not going to look in the box. We're not going to hear what they talk about mm-hmm. because they pulled it pulled out later. My main question about this scene was they were hanging out in the in the in the blue parrot bar, and then they're like, "Okay, let's go play in this thing." And they go to like the billiard table and it turns over. They didn't close the bar. What if some like does nobody come into this bar? Could someone come in and watch them? They're like, oh, we're <laughs> well. Did you see the next episode preview? No. Next ep- the next episode is about someone that's like harassing them at the bar, so it's going to be about the bar and about that stuff. Mm. If we ever cover that, who knows what the future holds. So now we get to class. Kaito is reading on his phone an article about his own pronouncement as the thief (laughs) that he's going to steal the Sapphire Blue birthday. So we didn't talk too much about the gentleman thief idea, but especially this week and next week it comes up. But this is one of the things they do. They always send the like police or whoever a note that says i'm going to steal this at this such and such a time the the challenge uh of what they're doing so if you have seen or heard us talk about detective conan shinichi is a high school detective who has his childhood friend that he's not dating named ron there's also the high school detective the west heiji who has the girl he's not dating kaza that he grew up with and here you have uh, Kaito, who has the girl he's not dating, Oko, who he's also childhood friends with. So this is the same thing three times in the in the same universe. And also, uh, these two look so much like Shinichi and Ron. Like their yeah. the character designs are so so similar. The char- their, their personalities are very different, but they look very similar. They just have like different haircuts. Kaito really teases her quite a bit, and it's actually her birthday today, which everyone seems to be forgetting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> ironic because the. Sapphire is called Blue Birthday. Right. It's it's a, a very intentional because her name, Aoko, literally contains the kanji for the color blue. Oh. Uh, so it's literally the Blue Birthday on the Blue Birthday. It's very, very uh, on the nose. On the nose. <laughs> but I also like they remind us that her father is, is he Nakamori? Is that his name? Yeah, their last name is Nakamori. Her father is Nakamori, who's the detective that's trying to catch him, and she's mad at kaito kid the thief because every time he does a heist her father is busy and now he's going to be busy on her birthday because he's announced a heist (laughs) and he also and this is where he turns the candle into the flower he promises to show up at her birthday and like make be the life of the party yeah i don't like the way he treats her i don't like the way he treats her no good he's not a likable dude no (laughs) it's not good it's it's an ongoing problem in anime i would say not always but I mean, he's obje- he's ob- like objectively worse than say Shinichi and Ron. Like, it's he's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I could name a, f- a couple characters that are worse towards their girls that put up with them. Yeah, well, well, we we, we ain't got to do that. <laughs> just be mad about it. The other detail they remind us about is that Kaito Kid 
always steals things and then returns them. He just does it for the challenge. Mm-hmm. So he'll steal a gem and then drop it on someone's lap. And that's really what he does in the Detective Conan show. They have showdowns and he steals the thing and then he returns it. Now we get a peek into his actual motivations and it's not that he wants to have precious gems. It's that he wants to find out what happened to his father. So he's like, I'm Kaido Kid's back. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to come try to kill me? Right. And people think it's his father again, even though his father probably did die, but we'll find out maybe someday. So in the first episode, he like fell through a painting of his father. And that's how he discovered this lair, which we see next. Mm-hmm. And in here he has his it's the bat cave. Mm-hmm. All right. If you had a bat cave, if you found your father's bat cave, and it had a jukebox uh-huh. that had like records like giving messages to you, would you just like sometimes had like, oh, the, the jukebox <laughs> is talking to me? Or would you open the jukebox and get all the records and listen to all of them, right? <laughs> he treats it like an ongoing conversation. He talks back to the records. Right. But it's like, I would go, I want to know now, what's the last one say? What's What are you saving for later? <laughs> and then the jukebox was all 3D animation. Mm-hmm. Like it's a me- mechanism that moves things around. All right. So here we go. What is his father's tip for him today it's uh supposed to be one of thurston's three principles before Uh, you do a trick you must mm. never explain what's going to happen and his father says that's one of the three principles as laid out by the great thurston Mm. so fred you said that you had heard of thurston but not his three principles yeah i i uh i did not know that thurston had three principles these (laughs) these uh and and that one that's noted in there is it's well known it's it's old stuff every uh well I mean, uh, uh, you 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 read your Scholastic book, magic book that you get for sixty cent. Well, I got mine for sixty cents. Today's kids might have to pay a couple of dollars for that, but uh, it has the magician's rules at the beginning. Never tell the secret of a trick uh, is one, and uh, if you tell them what's going to happen, they'll have a better shot at figuring it out. So you probably don't want to do that. Hmm. Um. So we'll see. This actually doesn't come back until the very end of the episode. And it doesn't have to do with his heists in the episode, this principle. Right. But uh, it ties in later. Yeah. I do like this heist when they get to the museum. (laughs) I had a few questions about the security system that they had set up there. (laughs) Well, that was was for Mission Impossible. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, like, very similar to the, the safe setup in Cat's Eye. Uh, in in our previous episode, it That's had like true. the lasers and like the electrified cage. But it's like it's the cop telling the museum curator, or is this even a museum, or is this like a guy who has this like precious gems? It could be an art gallery. They call the guy a curator, but they don't tell us yeah. where they are. But yeah, it's like the cop is explaining the security system to the curator, which means the police department installed all this stuff. Like, where did the money for this come from? <laughs> well, they got gems. What? <laughs> What's money when you have an enormous quantity of uh, rare gems? Mm-hmm. Blue Birthday is India's biggest sapphire. Yeah. Mm. Is it based on a real thing at all? I didn't think to look it up. Probably not. But this is the kind of reverse of last week because in Cat's Eye episode one, the curator wouldn't let the police guard the thing because he's like, if you guard it, then they'll know where it is. <laughs> so he was had a fake one out on display and all that stuff. And here the police are all over it. And the curator is like, this is too much. Uh-huh. They have the cage is an unbreakable alloy. You could like get a hand through it, but you couldn't get much more through it. The lasers, like Michael said, that vaporize anything that touches. Actually, it looked like anything that touches the lasers explodes. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a good laser. <laughs> <laughs> and the floor is electrified. So <laughs> seems redundant. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so Kaito somehow five steps ahead he's right above the case he drills through the ceiling so he can see the thing down from below identifies all the traps and security and this is I guess the wadded up thing that he whispered about earlier which he lowers down on the ceiling oh right that's the wadded up thing mm-hmm. and it's an, it's an inflatable version of him <laughs> well, it's like one of those capsules that you put in water and it grows into a, a, you know, a foam rubber turkey or something, you know, so but it's a little Kato uh, uh, thing. That's good. Kaito. Kaito. Oh, we missed something at the beginning of the episode, Michael, which was I was going to ask you about 1412 because the show is called Magic Kaito 1412. Oh, wasn't that didn't they say in Detective Conan that was the case number that the police had for him or something like that? Is that what it is? I was wondering if it was some kind of Japanese wordplay or something. Oh boy, if it is, I don't know what it is. You'll let us know eventually because sometimes <laughs> numbers become symbols or 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 whatnot. I mean, I know lots of ways you can play with uh, with numbers in Japanese, but I don't know how you would turn one four one two or 1412 into Kaito. Or kid. Maybe visually, maybe you could visually turn them into the, like parts of them into the le- the English letters maybe, but you're, that's a stretch. It's okay. I made it up. We'll, we'll figure <laughs> out before the end of this episode what the deal is with that number. And we were talking about the dummy. So the dummy appears in the case, mm-hmm. and the police think that Kaito is crouching on top of the diamond inside of the cage. This is, well, there's a couple things going on here, but they immediately deactivate all of the defenses. <laughs> <laughs> and every single one of them, like 20 of them, dogpile on top of the uh, inflatable dummy. Right. The correct response seems to be to just leave the security system on. <laughs> we got you. Right. he's trapped and then kaito has now disguised himself as a policeman he changes outfits very quickly disguise himself as a policeman goes in dives into the pool and then appears in the doorway back as himself holding the gem which he has now stolen and he reactivates the trap and traps them all inside (laughs) which seems like they would now be electrocuted i don't know (laughs) no they're all inside the cage there's no lasers or electricity inside the cage oh well good You know, that uh, th- that sneaky thing was very similar to a, a standard betcha that you can do at your next party. Go on. Uh, uh, okay, so you, you take, say, a half a dollar and a, a coffee mug, and you put the half a dollar on the table, and you put the coffee mug on top of it, and you say, fellas – uh, or whoever's there, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that coin out of there without without touching the uh, the the coffee cup. I won't touch the coffee cup, and I'll get it out. And what you do is you, you know, then you climb under the table and you start making tapping sounds and then you pull out a half a dollar. You say, here, here it is. This is the one. And when they go to open it to look and see that it's the same one, they pick up the thing and then you snatch the half a dollar. Yeah. See, so you could be just as clever <laughs> at oh. your next party as this guy. <laughs> As this young kid, this young scamp. Tricking them into disabling <laughs> the defenses of the, the coffee cup by making yeah. them think you've already beaten the defenses. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew that or and were thinking that. Um, Michael has sent us an image. Ah. It's just the English letters. That's what of, I thought. 1412, if you write it like cursive like that, it kind of looks like the word kid. Not that mysterious after all. Mm. Kind of, yeah. You can write the words letters K in a way they can be deciphered as the numbers. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Sneaky. Right. Well, that's that brings to mind all the things we used to do with uh, with calculators. You know. You, you... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, there's there's a lot of clever typography stuff. Yeah. We don't get a lot of it because we're watching stuff in Japanese, and so they're more doing clever Japanese typography stuff, which tends to be different. And a lot more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so um, nothing exciting happens during the commercial break of this show. <laughs> well, I get a soda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the problem now is that Kaito is running out of time to show up for Aoko's birthday. Oh, shoot. We skipped something that happened before the commercial. Oh, my gosh. The police have a moment where they're like, they all smile in unison, and they re- reveal this was their plan. Mm. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And they show us they've put a transmitter inside one of the beads on the sapphire. Mm-hmm. And the curator is like, when did you do that? I didn't give you permission to do that. <laughs> they have permanently altered this piece of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're smart. Everybody's smart. But they're never going to be smart enough to catch him. Yeah, I was I was almost certain this would lead into a a, a plot point of him following uh, the tracker to his own home. But it turns out he didn't <laughs> actually go home right away. Well, at the end of the previous episode, he steals a jewel and then the jewel goes into a fish and appears in his own home inside of the fish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, Kaito's weakness is that he's afraid of fish. Really? Like death, deathly frightened of them. Ichthyophobia. All right. How do you get through life in a island nation <laughs> being afraid of fish? He hang glides over it. Yeah. Hang glides over the ocean. So on the roof, he has his first encounter with the men who probably killed his father. And they are after eternal life. He gives them the jewel and then they shoot him. Mm-hmm. And that's it. The main character died in the second episode. No, Michael, that's not what happened. Did you stop watching there? Yeah. Was there more? Yes, there was more. <laughs> you guys. Uh, but but first, uh, what do we think of Alco's birthday party? Did it look fun? I think it's about what you would expect as a teenager. I think birthday parties are like in Japan, like mostly just for kids. And then it's like maybe you'll have a few friends okay. together as you grow up. I, I think it's about what you would expect. Uh, it looked like fun to me. You know, get a piece of cake. They mm-hmm. had a good spread on the table. Yeah. But you could see why they were all like teasing her about Kaito, who was supposed to show up and be the life of the party. Yeah. They were just kind of sitting around having having snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, Including her friend who, who stopped by in a scene earlier when they were, I don't know, riffing on each other. Keiko. Keiko. And I'm like, I, I just wrote down fake Sunoko question mark. <laughs> She's just Aoko's friend. Yeah. Well, you know, there seems to be an equivalent to every Detective Conan character in this that's just a crappier version of them. So <laughs> it's uh, the what, same show. What kind of birthday party would it be without a Keiko? <laughs> Womp. <laughs> very good. Very good. Wait, did we? We didn't have cake at my birthday, my, which is the most recent birthday we've celebrated. That's not oh. true. We got a cookie cake, but it got smashed so in the oh, in, in transit. So I got it for free. <laughs> oh, that's delicious. <laughs> we had the choice between a second cookie cake and a refund. And yeah, it was just less pretty. It was still edible. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was very edible. Yeah. So we're now at a villa slash manor. Another encounter, basically, with these folks. We know it. Oh, no, we don't know what's happened yet. 
I guess we still think he's maybe dead, and mm-hmm. he gets to do this big reveal. I I didn't think he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> Not even for I'm, a minute. I, I'm just saying that. I'm putting that out there. You know, <laughs> I I hope it doesn't. I don't. I don't seem like I. I'm stuck on myself or anything like that. No, and it is kind of funny that they structured it this way. In a movie, you can maybe get away with it. But in the TV show, they're going to all this effort to not tell us what he's going to do. But like, we kind of know how it's going to play out. We know he's not going to die and, you you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it turns out that there are big jewels spread across across the globe. I hate I hate the name of them. The big jewels, just the words "big jewels" in English. It sounded like, like in Japanese they were saying gems, like the English word "gem." No, they were saying big jewels. They were big jewels. Oh, so maybe they were used "gem" elsewhere in the same sentence. Big jewels. Blue birthday <laughs> is just one of them. Now, one of these, but nobody knows which, has a smaller stone called Pandora inside, which grants you eternal life. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's. To figure out which one it is, you just have to hold it up to the moon. But nobody's checked. No one checked that. No one figured out which one it was. <laughs> and here's Snake, who shot him on the roof, is meeting with his boss, the sub-boss, mm-hmm. because they talk about the bigger boss, which I thought was pretty funny that, like, just this chain of bosses um, that we now know about. Yeah, it's pretty generic. It's like, we've already got, like, this team of guys in trench co- identical trench coats, and their leader, guy in different colored trench coat. <laughs> now they're reporting to guy with no name. Yeah. Who won't be important later. <laughs> they're bad guys. That's why they've got trench coats. So it turns out that he had an inflatable parachute, which is how he didn't die when he fell off the roof. And he had the real gem in his pocket, which is what was hit by a bullet, which doesn't seem like a plan, but just he got really that lucky. Is, that is not a plan. I was like, bulletproof vest. Nope. Got lucky. Okay. And he has realized Blue Birthday has a tracker in it, so he gives it back to them. It's not the real one with Pandora inside, but the police are there. So everybody flees, and the police get inside and just find the gem on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one last moment I want to point out in this scene, which is the, the thing not, that happens with Nakamori at the end. He's like, Blue Birthday? Does that remind me of anything? <laughs> and then he goes no. out drinking with his buddies instead of going home for his daughter's birthday. <laughs> So maybe it's not Kaito's fault that Aoko feels neglected. Mm. But it is maybe her father's fault that uh, she allows somebody else to treat her that way. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) So the last bit of the episode is wrapping up the birthday plot line. We also haven't gotten any payoff for the message from his father yet. So we need that. And um, I guess just to cement further that G is Alfred and Alfred is G (laughs) because he's there to pick him up in a car and he's like, I'm going to take you there. We're going to make this birthday. And he realizes he doesn't have enough time. So he goes to plan B. Which he does have time for, question mark. Maybe he had set this up. I don't know. I also like something I didn't clock the first time is how sad Aoko's situation is before he calls her. It's like two minutes to midnight. She's sitting in the dark, alone, next to her bed, just stationary. But also her friends were just there. Her friends were just there. <laughs> she's she's being a little melodramatic. <laughs> she, he promised. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He seems so reliable. 
You should yeah. put your put your <laughs> emotions into that one. Um, he's almost about. He calls her on the phone and he's trying to cheer her up, and he almost tells her what's going to happen. But he remembers his father's advice: don't tell them what's going to happen. Don't explain the trick before it happens. And so when she opens the window, what does she see? He has somehow turned a building into a screen. It's like a big iPhone. It's the yeah, whole thing. A big message on a screen, happy birthday. And then it, there's like digital fireworks that are actually then real fireworks. It's And then G is up on the roof and he's, I guess, doing pyrotechnics on a laptop. I don't know if that's how pyrotechnics yeah, he's work. he's operating the fireworks <laughs> these days for sure. So in 30 Rock, which came up with us just in our everyday conversation earlier today because Jack McBrayer was on Nailed It, but that's background that nobody needs to know about. No one needed to know. There's um, an episode where they're trying to cheer up the city of New York or something, and so they stage a fireworks show. And the whole joke is you can't do fireworks in the city when it's not a holiday and people aren't expecting it because it just sounds like explosions (laughs) in a crowded city. Right. Well, they did it. (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's just setting off fireworks and no one seems to care. <laughs> right in the middle right. of Tokyo. Why not? Well, you know, I, I watched it with my wife, uh, a Gail, the wonderful Gail. And, and she thought that was pretty good. She thought that was pretty good magic. She would have been happy with that. You know, so I have a new bar that I have to. Uh, <laughs> you got to get that one set up. <laughs> I got to set that one up. To, to me, uh, that's, that's, that, ain't, that ain't magic. That's technology. No. Yeah. There was no magic involved. Well, Disney seems to think it's magic, but they they I think have leaned towards in their fireworks shows because we're the kind of adults that were there recently incorporating lasers and smoke and music and projections. So it's and it's not just fireworks. Don't anymore. make us sound like Disney adults. I've been there one time as an adult. <laughs> I'm not going back for a while. We would go, <laughs> except it's too expensive. So you're right. Okay, we're not quite those kinds of adults. I, hey, look, I am too. I was I was there a few years ago at the Disney, and even more recently at the Universal in yeah. uh, in Florida. That may be more fun for me than than Disney. Actually. Yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff. We cram them all there. into one five day trip. Oh wow! Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that's just about it. The curtain closes, and he says, "See you next illusion," which comes up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about the end credit song, just for a minute, is there anything I missed that someone wanted to talk about? Why are their noses so pointy? <laughs> noses are so pointy. Like the the original <laughs> manga artist's style is like from the side view. Their noses like are a bit pointy, but I feel like even in this show, in some shots, they're just too pointy. Right, right. I didn't notice anything. Well, there was one. Sh- I, I actually I had that same feeling because there was one shot in the classroom where the where Aoko and Kaito were arguing, and it was just like their faces were half nose. It was like too much. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most anime, I feel like the noses are just like an afterthought. They're like a shadow or that's like true, but like a line. Just well, on it's the front a check mark. You know, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> He definitely he definitely has a style because this is the same creator. Mm-hmm. He has one or two other shows that I can't name off the top of my head, but someone else could. <laughs> <laughs> so the song at the end mm-hmm. is a very end credits song, so it's not as flashy as the first one. Lots mm-hmm. of s- still repeating images. With a dumb name, White of Crime. Yeah. I get it. I get it. They're the like, English, English is title, fun. White of Crime. <laughs> But he dresses in all white. We didn't even describe mm-hmm. what anyone looks like. We didn't describe what kind <laughs> of kid looks like. What do these people look like? What do they look like, Noah? <laughs> well, the young man uh, uh, is is dressed like Cardini, except that he's white. Who is Cardini? Cardini was one of the most important magicians 
in vaudeville. And, uh, and he's, there's a, a good representation of him. He's a good, they show his act. He did mm. his act on a fifties television show. Ooh. So, so you could find Cardini on YouTube. He's got the monocle. He's got the top hat. He's got the cape and, uh, he's producing the cards, you know, so that, that whole image goes back to Cardini, even though this guy's clothing is white, Cardini's clothing is black. Well, unfortunately, in episode two, we don't see one of his other signature gadgets, which is a card gun. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about the gun. I saw the gun in the credits. Yeah, and it's I, a gun that I, shoots playing cards. Huh. <laughs> Apparently, in the manga, both Kaito in his civilian guys and Kaito the thief use the gun, which is another reason it's like, there's two people running around in Tokyo with guns that shoot cards out of them. How are they still realize they're not the same person? But in the anime, they only ever show him using it as Kaito Kid. Also, if Professor Agasa makes all of Kaito's gadgets, maybe and it's like you can forget you made all those things. But it's like if you make a gun that shoots playing cards and there's a dude who shoots playing cards, you're like, oh, I made that. That's yeah, he, this he, guy. Sh- he should tell the de- other detective <laughs> about him on the other show that's trying to catch mm. him. Tisk, tisk. Uh, shout out to the Detective Conan Wiki for some of these trivias. And if anybody wanted to know, Jeed is driving a silver 1998 Porsche 911 Carrera. <laughs> Thank God it was bugging me. They also in the end song say the phrase dream of crime, not just white of crime. Mm-hmm. Good message. When I The ending made me think of the closing credits for an old television show called The Avengers. Oh. It's just... One after the, a shot of, of a, somebody making a card fan, a hmm. shot of a card appearing, a shot of double card fans. And things. So, the Avengers have anything to do with cards? It's like a spy uh, not, show. Not particularly. Yeah, it's a spy show, but, but they're cool. And uh, <laughs> card fans are cool. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they had it at the end. Uh, yeah, she, she, uh, they're, they're cool together. Yeah, typically with it with an anime, you get like a high budget animated opening, and then like something real low budget that's just like a still shots with some kind of effect on them. So that mm-hmm. there was a lot of still shots and just all those spinning CG cards, right. lots and lots wasn't of spinning that interesting? cards. Reminded me of wasn't there a Detective Academy Q ending that was like their notebook spinning or something or a card? I spinning? think there was a playing card spinning at the end of that one. Good call. Yeah, it reminded me. I was like, I know it's somewhere in my head. <laughs> We probably talked about it somewhere around episode 12 of our podcast, so uh, that's not an exact episode, but if, if people want to listen to like episodes 8 through 16, you'll probably find it. And then let us know, but listen to all of them from end to end, because we yeah. want the plays. Thank you. <laughs> so you were saying none of the magic really was realistic or doable the way they portrayed it. What do you think about the kind of the way that they used the magic motifs and themes kind of to to style this character or oh well it's it, it's fun he's, he looks cool he uh he can make things pop out he 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 i don't understand the idea that that you're going to make women like you by doing magic <laughs> uh, uh that that's not true to my experience i i wish it were uh young fred would have appreciated that uh very much yeah yeah well they i'm I produced the flower for you. Here you go. And they, they treasure that flower. Uh, not likely. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing is, this is this is just a tidbit, but I thought this was funny because I was l- like, is there an anime show that does magic really realistically? Because I can envision there are some of those anime shows that 
pick a subject and really portray it realistically. I did not find any when I Googled it. Yeah. I did find, I, we were talking about this yesterday, Michael, because you've seen the anime Darker Than Blue. Black. Darker Than Black. See, that's, I don't know anything about this. I looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> but this is a show about superpowered criminals, and whenever they use their superpowers, they have a compulsion. Is that right, Michael? So they're, they're called contractors, and it, they have to perform a remuneration every time they use their powers. So like one person had to bake a cake after every time she used her powers or something. And mm-hmm. one of the assassins used to be a magician. And every time he uses his superpower, he has to reveal the secret to one of his tricks. Huh. <laughs> Not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that better or worse than the guy who has to eat cigarette butts every time he uses his power? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think magicians frequently do gross out thing well certain kinds of magicians frequently do gross out things like eat cigarette butts so right the one you want to okay you want to see the cigarette butt eating magician uh, <laughs> uh go on youtube and look up the name tom mullica mm. m-u-l-l-i-c-a he was on letterman and letterman was tough on magicians he really was he he uh he would grab stuff from them he didn't have much Ooh. respect from them uh for them but mullica just uh, uh, Letterman had nothing to say once Mullica was finished uh, because he, he apparently eats a, a, a whole uh, pack of cigarettes and several napkins as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have no idea how that's done. <laughs> so you watched this along with your wife and it sounds mm-hmm. like you, you had a good time. Did she yeah. have a good, good time as well? Uh, sure. I, I'll, uh, I, I'll, I'll talk to her about it more. She, she, uh, yeah, she thought, you know, she she would have enjoyed the uh, fireworks display at the end. She thought that showed a certain effort, you know. Yeah. About magic being realistic in this context. It can't be, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, and there, there's been a controversy in magic for years. There were those who said that magic doesn't work on television because if it's on television, then how do you know it's not the magic of television rather than – the magic of what the magician and they they worked on various ways to to deal with that by swearing that uh, you know you're seeing the, all the magic you see performed by Mark Wilson is just as it was performed as if you were here the camera it's certainly watching a cart uh, I I would have no uh, no expectation right that the magic tricks would be would look anything like a real magic trick would look well magic is about uh, uh, making something that is impossible look possible. Yeah, uh, and uh, and that's not what this is. This is uh, this is a narrative about a magician, and the narrative is what's important, not the mm-hmm. not the narrative of the trick. Right. The other thing I'm thinking of is we touched on like con men earlier and and thieves and things like that, and there's certainly is stuff like we recently watched the Netflix series Lupin, which I, I highly recommend. French series based on that thief, and he does sorts of things with you know disguises and swapping things out, which you might see similarities between magic tricks and what he's doing. But it's not magic themed, and he's it's not presenting it that way. But I'm wondering if there's other. I didn't do enough research. Other examples of magicians using magic to do heists or or being thieves. And I know there were there's the two film series. Now you see me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which doesn't predate Kaito Kid, so he, they, he didn't steal the idea from them, is what I'm saying. 
is, is but it doesn't seem to be a super common idea. Uh, there are some old movies in which uh, you had evil magicians who were performing <laughs> crimes. I think Chandu, the magician. There was also a well. They, on the other side, there there were various magicians who were also crime fighters. So a, a very a very old play from like the 1920s called The Spider by uh, Fulton Owsler uh, was uh, about a magician who was solving crimes. I uh, I got a call from Mrs. Edelman when I was in high school. Mrs. Edelman called while the magician was on the television show The Magician in which Bill Bixby was a magician who was always getting mixed up in crimes, but he was always exposing the crime. He was using his magic abilities. Mm. Uh, uh, I was failing physics. Was it physics? <laughs> it was science. It was before physics. Uh, I couldn't get the nu- the nuclear stuff. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out the little particles going from one thing to another. And she messed it up. I never saw that episode of The Magician because oh. in those days, you know, there was no VCR. <laughs> You kids have a VCR. You're lucky. <laughs> Magician solving crimes. We're usually fo- pretty focused on murder mysteries and things like that on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we will be again once we figure out where our podcast has gotten to. <laughs> but a show I enjoy is Jonathan Creek, which is a British show. He's the trick designer for a magician. Mm-hmm. And so he, the premise for that is he can s- figure out the, the solution to these murders because it's like like a magic trick. So that's right. definitely a uh, mm-hmm. – they're using some of these themes except on the crime solving instead of crime committing area. Right. Oh, no. If you were looking for like magicians and mag- like as protagonists in anime, uh, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc 5, uh, that's like the main character's whole shtick is that his father was a magician. So he's a magician and he tries to entertain people during – his card playing things that did come up when I searched for it, but it's still Yu-Gi-Oh. But it is the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> that that is interesting because Yu-Gi-Oh is a card game that they play in increasingly elaborate ways, and card tricks are very common. So, and there's often magician. Well, themes the in that. the whole premise of that show is that they they like the the holograms are solid, so they like jump around and do performances and stuff. Yeah, while I know doing you were thing. complaining about it, but you continued to watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to complain about something or if you are a magician who has recently used your magic to fight crime or commit crimes and you want to let us know about it you can email us at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com there might be some legal issues there uh so we'll get back to you on that but <laughs> so fred you've got magic tricks on youtube um so how you want to tell people a little bit about that and how they can find that and maybe some of your other stuff well well for many years i've been thinking uh, uh i want to do something where i uh, uh called fred does every damn card trick he's ever known and there are a lot of card tricks so so uh, uh and, and when the at when the uh, pandemic started if i may mention it my Normal places for doing magic disappeared. Uh, I was not able to do any, and I thought, let let me uh, let me try this. So I started doing a trick a week. I my YouTube uh, uh, is Fred A Siegel, but the the uh, thing is called uh, Fred Does a Trick is the is the um, channel, uh, and uh, I've been doing a trick every week. I've been doing a different trick every week for uh, well over a year now, uh, and uh, it's. It's interesting. It's uh, it's um, 
partly, you know, partly for things we've been talking about, you know, how do you do a magic trick for Mm. a camera? It's different than doing a magic trick for people. You know, uh, I can, I can misdirect you. I can make you look somewhere. I don't want you to look. I can't make the camera look somewhere. I don't want the camera to look. Yeah. On the other hand, the camera's not going to walk around you, right, <laughs> and sneak up behind you. So there, there are advantages and there are disadvantages. Yeah, uh, there's also a whole lot of tricks you can't do in that context because you know if if uh, I, I mean I, I have people picking cards. I I dub a voice. So I did a trick for Barney Rubble about a week ago, <laughs> uh, uh, and he Barney picked a card. Uh, and uh, yeah, the voice of Barney. I did it myself, actually. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, it's the, the, it's not such a great mystery though, because it's possible that I'm in cahoots with myself. Hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I could easily force a card on Barney. But uh, uh, still, to the, to the whole world of mind reading magic, you can't do. You can't do it in in that situation. So anyway, that's I, I have Fred does a trick. You can you can if you. If you Google Fred does a trick, the first thing that's going to come up is Fred from Scooby-Doo. Uh, uh, <laughs> nothing like me. I, I I trust that you will be able to figure out that that's not me. But uh, there are just many tricks up there that are that are me. Tricks to like a minute long, two minutes long at most. So uh, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, another thing that's been a lot of fun is having you join us on the podcast. Oh, shucks, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming here and bringing a little bit of magic. Oh, man. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, Addressing our listeners for just a moment, um, something really magical that you can do to help spread the word about the podcast is to go to Apple Podcasts and give us a star rating and write a little comment. Let other people know about what you enjoy so that they can figure out if this is something they might enjoy. Hey, maybe you're not listening on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, review us if your service allows. Um, you can also stay in touch with us on social media, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter, and send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Probably not confessing to a crime. I really shouldn't solicit that. I'm not equipped to deal with what might happen, but there's much more to come. But first, Fred, I have to ask you about the mystery of Rebecca from school. Many years ago, when I was older, older than ape girl Fred, but uh, like middle school Fred, middle school mm-hmm. Fred. Listen, I was in showbiz back then. I would go from one lunch table to another, performing my wonderful magic tricks, making my beautiful round card fans and blowing coins out of my nose for the amusement of, uh, of all of my classmates. And uh, I get a call. I get a call one day from Rebecca. Rebecca wants me to come to her birthday party and do magic. I guess I'm 12 or 13, maybe 14. I don't know. Uh, I It's hard to tell exactly. But I take the gig. You know, it, it was 10 big ones, 10 big ones, which, which was uh, good. For 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 me at that time, and I I uh, had my suitcase. You know, it was actually a, a Samsonite blue suitcase that my mm. mother gave up, and I was wearing my my red, white, and blue checkered shirt with the lapels the size of rib roasts. And uh, I walked into the room, and it was a, a circle, a gigantic circle, in a Northeast Philadelphia rec room. All girls who knew me from school. All of them 
seemed to know something that I did not know. There was a mystery that I did not know. But I, uh, I went forth. I did all my tricks. The fabulous Chinese egg bag that cost me $1.50 that I bought from the Top Hat Magic Company in uh, uh, Illinois. And uh, uh, my dove pan, uh, where you make a little a little fire in it, and if you have a dove, you can pull a dove out of it. But I don't have a dove, so I produced a a long stream of uh, streamers, uh, and I swirled, I twirled the streamers uh, on the end of a magic wand. It's like a like a what do you call it? A hurricane or a a tornado? Like a mm-hmm. tornado on the end of a magic wand. Very impressive and exciting. And and uh, I did my show and I bowed and uh, everybody seemed to like it. And then uh, on the way out, I'm in the laundry room. I got to call my dad to have him come get me at this point. And uh, uh, Rebecca comes by and says, can I can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, oh, sure. You ever make out? (laughs) Of course. I lied and said that that uh, you know I I I, I no, no 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 problem here you know I I'm a man of the world and uh, uh, and so she ushers me into the powder room uh, uh, because you know you don't want to get caught in the in the laundry room it's much better to be in the powder room <laughs> for this mysterious action and uh, she she she's getting ready for the kiss and I'm I'm a little hesitant. You know, because I see the first the toilet is there and that's taking away some romance <laughs> and the the uh, mirror on the medicine cabinet is there. I'm looking at myself. It's weird. I said, hey, the mirror is weird. And she opened the mirror. So so the mirror was against the wall and I couldn't see. I could see the inside. So she's she's eliminating every objection that I have. And uh, and suddenly uh, uh, one of the mysteries of life becomes uh, begins to become clearer to me. I I I feel like moving in a little bit and i i remember feeling her her lips on mine uh and melting together in this remarkable uh moment and then i suddenly hear a knock on the door and uh it's uh, i have a much more sinister feeling because it's rebecca's dad <laughs> and uh, rebecca's dad is uh figures out what's going on he says may rebecca you got to take you got to pay attention to your guests son uh, uh and uh, i i came out of it alive and i actually got the 10 bucks i i felt like i might have had to give him a break on that but he was fine with the 10 he's he seemed relieved and uh, happy uh, about what was going on and uh and so there it was a a, a great mystery a, a show of mysteries <laughs> Uh, but I learned that you it, it's possible to, in one moment, do a magic trick in which you produce a tornado on the end of a magic wand. And then a few minutes later, you could feel like you were a tornado on the end of a magic wand. I was not I, – I had a feeling we were headed for the uh, the good ending and not a bad ending <laughs> to that story. Oh, I hope that's a good ending. It would have been a little different if it was just her and four friends – Sitting around a table in her bedroom right. eating cake, right, and right, you right. walked in, and that's the right, more right, thing right. that happened. Yeah, I, I did not make a, a display appear on a nearby building. Mm, that's <laughs> where you know, went wrong. The dove pen, you know, you can get for fifty. Well, now you can't get it for fifteen bucks. Mine was fifteen bucks. Mm. Now it's a heck of a lot more than fifteen bucks. <laughs> oh, well, hold on. There's something in this hat. 
I'll sh- I'll share my screen with you so you can see what I found in this hat. Okay. All right. It's this. Oh my. A Google search result? <laughs> yeah, but maybe we could describe it a little bit for the listeners. Oh, it's it's like a little peanut head with a grin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It seems maybe our podcast has been stolen once again. No, why Why didn't this thief leave a calling card uh, in like Katakana and Hiragana so I could read it? I can't read these kanji. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you make me understand something? What does it mean to steal a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's very conceptual. We'll get back to you on that. Well, they've stolen the concept of our podcast, so we're, we're not able to do a detective anime podcast because mm-hmm. it's missing. And until mm-hmm. we get it back, we, we, have, we have to do... Uh, thief anime. Oh, wait, no, I do know those last few kanji, though. It seems that this uh, calling card was signed by Lupin the Third. Oh, well, we'll have to track down Lupin the Third next week, I guess. Not again. Fred, that's an excellent question. I am still <laughs> trying to figure out whether the premise of this run of episodes is, is intelligible or just totally bogus, and we'll find out someday. All right, no, <laughs> All I'm right. gonna get I'm gonna get Tanya's kids on the line. We're gonna see if we can track down Lupin the Third. Well, ta- Tanya's kid- kids weren't available next week. Ah, dang. <coughs> Sorry, sneezing. Bless you, bless you. I made you do that. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's an impressive zoom just trick. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and that closes the case on this week's dying message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast episode 52 in which we reveal a magician's secrets podcast cover art created by miriam bloom music excerpted from solve the damn mystery by jesse spillane thank you again to our mystery guest fred siegel coming up is the castle of cagliostro fantastic or what and why is it so beautiful like nonstop? what does it mean to be an expert on castles will we finally recover our stolen podcast all that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note the dying message I missed the opportunity to make my other joke about Atlantic City water. Yep, too late. <laughs> I didn't know. What, what's so funny about Atlantic City water? I don't know. Just something about drinking it and turning into a gorilla. Mm. Oh, oh. That so, would explain know. some things. You know, back in those days, horses would dive into Atlantic City water on Steel Pier. So so that Ooh. was something to see. Mm. Wait, as a as a as an amusement? Oh yeah, a steel pier no, was no, amazing. They, they went there for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think maybe the horses wanted water. Yeah, they, they were no, there. they wore those one piece bathing suits. You know, the whole thing with the striped ones. They change in the little <laughs> little <laughs> changing booths. No, that was uh, uh, one of the big attractions at at Steel Pier, which uh, still exists, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. The high diving, there would be a diving show and then the horse would dive into a big a pool. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. That's yeah. a talented horse. A, a talented <laughs> and uh, nobody would stand for it now, but it was quite amazing back then. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not these days.